Childproof. <laughs> well. Um, yes, thank you. Thank you, church, for your goodness toward us. Thank you. Family. Not just If it's just church, we're a mob of Catholics. We're a family. We're the family of Christ. I'm so glad it's more than that, eh? It's, it's just we're, we're family. And, and we love you guys. And um, you're sorry for us. We're sorry for Serena anyway. And um, she's married to me. John chapter 21. <coughs> Pardon me. John chapter 21. And yes, we'll be heading off the Lord willing around the 12th. And uh, I think, I was confused about why God would have me to preach this, but I think it, it runs in line. You know, the pastor's finished the Bible and he's taking a break. And um, praise the Lord if you're not one of those people that caused him to need the break. John chapter 21 and verse 15. Will you stand with me? Let's just read a few verses then pray and see what God will do. Okay, so there's a lot happened here. We're toward the end of the book of John. And the Bible says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldst not. This spake he, signifying but what death he should glorify God. And when he spoke, had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow thou me, or follow me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Um, Lord, I pray still our hearts, still mine now. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be with us. Pray for the rebuking of the evil one. And uh, bring the captivity, every thought, to the obedience of Christ and every person in this place. Help us to glorify you because you're with us tonight, Father. And we thank you now. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So how would you be if you were Pete? Peter, our brother. We're going to see him one day. Everybody's thinking, I wonder what he looked like. A bit Jewish, I'd say. But um, with this, he's just told Peter. I mean, you think about who Peter was. He's just told him what's going to happen to him. I mean, how would you be? Okay, you know, Rob or Pastor Nathan. I can't just call him Nathan. Or Pastor Nathan. Or Dave. Or Dave. You know, this is what your future's going to be, mate. It's like this. Bang, bang, bang. By the way, stop denying me. Feed the sheep. Blah, 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 blah. And then they're going to do this to you. And then you're going to die. Okay. And the big wow. If we had real-time prophets nowadays, we know we don't. The, the, the preaching of Christ is the spirit of prophecy. We know that. But if they could actually say, this is what's going to happen to you tomorrow and good night, it was nice knowing you, you'd be a little bit skin, you know, skin grass sun up, you'd be a bit goosebumps. And straight away Peter thinks to himself, well, if that's me, who else, who else is there? And that's our next verse, isn't it? The next verse there reads on, then Peter turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following. Now this disciple, just want to remind us, these are things that we all know. But let's just jump back just a page or two to John chapter 20, verse 1 to 9. I'm giving some background here very quickly. John chapter 20, verse 1 to 9. 
This is the tomb story. For those of you who don't know it, I'm just going to read it. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. We know that's John. And saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together... And the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Now we know that one's a faster runner than the other. And how their relationship was, because these guys were totally different characters. But what happens when John gets to the tomb, the, the word there, to, it says here, he looked in. Stooping down, looking in, that means just the glance in. You know that already. I think pastors shared that with you. It just means the glance in. Then verse 6, Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed for as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So we find here the second time when Simon comes in, it says he seeth the linen clothes lie. That means he actually looked carefully and observed it. Now you'd expect it to be the other way around because Peter's the flippant, you know, let's just do it, let's cut off a sword, get a sword and cut off Malchus's ear and all this sort of stuff. And John's the guy who had the book of Revelation. And we have two different characters here. And I, I can't help but wonder as I was studying this through whether... Even amongst themselves, these little jostlings, you know, one outruns the other one and one sort of gets into the tomb. But then you'd think the guy that was smart, that's the John guy, he knew the high priest, he'd be the one just like, hmm. But Pete comes in, he's the guy flippant and all this sort of stuff, and he's like, hmm. With these different characters, and I wondered if that was in the back of Peter's mind as he's just been told blah, 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 that's the way you're going to die. So he looks around like, what about him? Because these two, I mean, you both, you know, both were first at the tomb. You've, you've been there together. You've, you've had some things happen. They've been on a spiritual journey together. If we turn back to John chapter 21, we pick it up again. Verse 20. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die, but... If I will let he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Verse 22, Christ is again saying, follow me. Now that's the second time, isn't it? Because verse 19, at the end of the verse, follow me. Then here, at the end of verse 22, follow thou me. And you think about this, Peter's the guy who walked on water. Peter's the guy, um, John 6, 68 um, let's just turn over here to the left, John 6.68, over to the left. It's handy that it's all in the book of John, isn't it? Saves having to go back to the verse, you know, First Hezekiah chapter 12 or something like that. John 
This is Peter. Then Simon, you know, verse 67, Christ says unto the twelve, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And, you know, upon this, and I'll build my church. And what an incredible statement. Peter, we can go back to John 21. But this has given an insight into Peter. He's a guy that's like rock solid, man. I'm ready to follow you. Though all men desert you, I'll never desert you. Yet Christ has to keep reminding him, follow me. Now, a little insight in the side there. You notice verse 23? There's all these people here in verse 23 that have to start mystical rumours, isn't it? Then when this saying abroad among the brethren, this saying that he's not going to die, well, that's not what he said. Christ said this about this and this, and no doubt someone's at the back sort of, hey, did you know that because he and the pastor and, and like John and Peter, there was like, Pete's not dying. No, no, it was John. It was John not dying. That's not what Jesus said, is it? There's always somebody at the back to twist it. That's human nature. But the thing of my focus tonight is this one thing. You know, we sing, guide me, all thou great. There's not a problem with God for guiding. There's not a problem with God for leading. I find the problem is following. I have a great problem with following. But what are we following? In Matthew chapter 11, come unto me, all you that labour and are heavy laden. Huh. What are we following? You know, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. This is a beautiful, beautiful invitation. And I have to pull up sticks every now and again with where I'm at in my religiosity. To just stop and say, okay, bottom line, bottom line truth, um, bottom line, what is going on? I was lost in my sin. Christ offered me eternal life through the blood that he shed on the cross. He invited me to stop laboring with my own strength and to trust what he had done. I received it. Then one John suddenly becomes precious. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And God is now dealing with me as a son. I believe that Jesus Christ, God on earth, was dealing with Peter as a son. Something struck me. If we're following somebody, we follow people who we either trust or we think we could gain something from them, even if we're not trusting them. Does that make sense? Think about why you follow somebody. There's only two reasons, really. One is personal gain, whether that's you're following the Rabbitohs or you're following, what's that great cricket team? I don't know. Whatever they are, some cricket team, Australia. Or you're following, you know, the, the Red Blacks or the All, All Blues or whatever they're called, you know, some rugby team. But you're following them for personal gain, why you feel good. That gives you a personal sense of well-being. Or you're following somebody because you trust them. You're following somebody because you trust them. And this morning, I don't know why, it came across my mind and it's, what are these yellow dots for? Sorry, another story. <laughs> so I was looking at you, what's going on here? It came across my mind, I've been thinking more and more, as the world gets more and more against Christians, as battle down the hatches and pastors preaching great messages about staying strong, as the pastor's physically not going to be with us, in spirit we know that, He'll be here. 
then we all have to come to that point, what am I really following? Why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Like Brother Hunter on the phone today telling me that Nathan's going wild, getting drunk, beat, when he wants to beat people up, causing chaos in the church. Our head Sunday school teacher's now got issues and he's giving his wife a bit of a thumping. And I said, bro, we need your prayers, we need you here. And it's like, bottom line, guys, what are you really following? We follow those we trust I'm in church tonight because of Jesus Christ. And most of you, 99%, are in church because of Jesus Christ. But maybe there's one person here, you're in church because it's the right thing to do or you want God to bless you. But is it because you love Christ? Is it because you really love Christ? Are you following because you love and trust Jesus Christ? Or you're after the benefit. You say, how could you say such a thing? Because I'm a human and you're a human. That's what humans do. Which one am I? In this that I've shared with you about Peter and about the problems and about the issues and about the following and follow me and follow me and follow me and follow me, as part of our following God, all of us are going to go through highs, we're going to go through lows, we're going to go through times of great blessing, we're going to go through times of great trial, times of depth. And in that, many times, there is a certain sense of pointlessness about what you're doing. There's just a sense of pointlessness. You, you'll be humanly thinking, what's the point of this? You know, where was the glory in that? And until we start understanding and reaffirm to ourselves that God is forming Christ in us, a lot of these things we give up following because we just don't see the point. You know, the guy wants me to go up there, over there, over there, up there, do this and do that. What's the point? I'll just jump on a bus and I'll be there three hours before him. It's that sort of mentality. It's that sort of, well, Lord, I don't see the point of what I'm doing here. I'm struggling on, I'm struggling on, I'm struggling on. What's the point? What's the point of going out soul winning if no one's getting saved? What's the point of witnessing to the neighbour and all they think I'm doing is I'm a Bible basher? What's the point? And if we lose sight of the fact that we've been called to follow and we've been given a burden which is light, we've given a yoke which is easy and we will find rest unto our souls, if we lose sight of that, we're going to be like Peter on the water and we're going to start being like Peter looking around and saying, oh, what about that person? Oh, what about that person? And this is how the issues comes in and following on for what pastor's been preaching. The devil gets a foothold when we forget that we are called to salvation individually, we are saved to serve as a family, and we will stand before God as judge individually. And so what are you doing, man? I'm following Jesus Christ. I express that through my daily walk with him, through my prayers, through my witnessing, and through my local church. Local, physical, visible church. Praise God. Revelation chapter 9. Pastor was here. Revelation chapter 9, I just want to touch two points and then we'll break off a prayer. Revelation chapter 9 and verse 14. It helps me personally to think of church as more than church. I'm not doing church. I'm meeting with my family. Really. We're all following the same person. We're all following the same spirit. If you be led of the spirit. We're following the same spirit. We have the same Christ in us. That's the difference between us and just doing church. You know, let's do lunch one day. Let's do church the next day. And then we could do, oh, no, we'll do, do the rugby. Whatever. No, it's not like that. Revelation chapter 9 and verse 14. Have a look at this. It's something that I find wonderful. 
These are the angels. Start at verse 13. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. These angels were prepared and used. Prepared and used. Whack over on the left, Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. Luke, John, Acts chapter 21. They're all following God. Acts chapter 21. Do you ever wonder what those angels do between the time that they actually activate what they're supposed to do and the rest of it? Do they sort of stand in one place in all eternity? We can't see them. But they're prepared. They've got one job to do. Get ready to do it. How long do I have to wait? I'll tell you when. Just do it. Just get ready. Acts chapter 21 verse 9. As you start at verse 8, it makes it a little more easy to read. And the next day we, this is Luke speaking, as he's speaking to the travels of the Apostle Paul. And the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist. Note that, Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven. Now that guy had some issues. It was good issues. And abode with him. The same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. So you got four ladies who prophesy, prophets. Verse 10, and as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Who's he? And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. It struck me that Philip the Evangelist and these four prophetesses were prepared but not used. How would you feel if you were one of those guys in the house? The Apostle Paul turns up, he, he rocks up, he comes in, he's doing his bit. There's the evangelist. These are godly people. Godly people, you've got the four prophetesses there, I mean, the virgins, the holy, they're used of the Lord. And then God says, just get Agabus from over there, come here, bind his hands and tell him what's going to happen. I, I thought... Why didn't he just use what was there? He got an evangelist. I mean, really. I mean, the guy's spirit-filled. You've got four virgin daughter prophetesses. I mean, what's the point of a prophetess if you don't prophesy? Here's a guy here, right? He's in the house. He's come here. Why would you drag Agabus? I don't know how. He always picture him as an old guy, don't you? Not some young guy. Some old Agabus, you know, like, I'll be there in a month. What's the point of getting him from all the way over there, bring him in here, he does his bit, boom, 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 away you go, that's what's going to happen, see you later. Those others could sort of stand around and go, oh yeah, I get it, I get it. You need an Agabus for this job. Yeah. A virgin prophetess is not good enough, I understand. Nor is an evangelist. You've got to have an Agabus. They could have had an attitude about it, couldn't they? They were prepared, but not used. And what I see in all of this is God is just being God. What I see in Peter's life, what I see in John's life, what I see in my life, what I see in, can't see it in yours, only you can do that. But what I see is God being God and he will do what he will, when he wants, how he wants, whenever he wants. He does it because he's God. And I've got this funny feeling that he does things in us which seem absolutely pointless. But to God, there's a great value in it. And I had written in my, my note here as I, I close with you, 
um, that God has called him to himself, called us to himself. That's the bottom line. And he's the ultimate parent. I was thinking about this the other day. We've had a little expression with parents and with parenting and all the rest of it, and we've had some failures and some successes. But as a parent, now, you kids, this is true. As a parent, you actually really do want to know every single little thing that your kid's up to, what they're doing, everything they're eating. If your kid's having Cocoa Pops for breakfast, you can deny it, but you secretly want to know what they're eating for breakfast. You don't act upon it, but you want to know because you care about them, because you love them. You want to know what they're putting in their body. You want to know who they're talking to. If you could be omnipresent without getting busted, you would. If you could be omniscient without getting busted, you would. Why? Because you have such a deep love for your children. And the hardest part as a parent is knowing when to open your big trap and say something, which I fail at dismally, or when to just be quiet and just pretend you don't know. I know what they had for breakfast. Pizza's not good, but hey, I would have eaten it. And with God and us, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And God is saying to us, I know about every single hidden thought in your head, but it doesn't mean I'm going to act upon it with a bolt of lightning. What I'm saying to you, young lady, young man, old man, old lady, no such thing, we know only well-matured ladies, you lovely people, what God is saying to us is, hey, follow me. Because there's beautiful couples here tonight, but I'm telling you, not not one of us couples are going to stand there with a husband or wife. There's beautiful children, but you're not going to stand there, mummy, daddy. There's, you know, we, we, it's us and God. And it's the most intimate and personal thing. Even in the midst of a failure, a seeming blowout that will take 25,000 years to get through, God is still in it and don't think he's not. And he's wanting to do something in you and I. He's wanting to form something in you and I that we can't even comprehend. So how can you say that with such positiveness? Because I read the Bible cover to cover and I find a God who is a being beyond our comprehension who does things that are out of here. What if the universe trades holiness and purity as a currency like we trade gold and diamonds? What if faith is a currency that's the most valuable thing in the universe? We say, yeah, flippantly, but what if it really is? Trusting God whom we cannot see, trusting God and understanding his character that we understand, hey, he's doing this for a reason. There is something I'm going through right now, even if it's not a good thing in the sense that you're the one mucking up and you're the one in sin, don't ever think that you've gone so far that God no longer cares. He understands you don't feel like being on a guilt trip about it. He understands you've allowed yourself it for a while. It doesn't mean he stopped caring because he's the ultimate parent. Even to the 85 and 90 95-year-olds, he's the ultimate parent. He knows everything. He cares about everything. And with Peter, what he's saying to us is, hey, just follow me. I share with Pastor the things happened with Hunter. Found out today the storm wiped out the boat shed where the boat was and blah, blah, blah. All these other things happened. And I realised the world will rage on like a storm regardless. Regardless. The only positive thing that can be a good starting point for everything is our walk with God. As long as that's nailed, Lord, I'm failing you, I know that. And in the midst of my failing, understand this one thing, you still love me and it's not over yet. And the hardest prayer that we can actually pray from our heart is, Lord, have your will. 
because it terrifies us. If you're honest, it terrifies us. It terrifies us that God might actually change us. And one of the hardest things we have is, and I'm still in this battle, is complete surrender. Because you know what you really want, right? And you know what we think God is asking us to do, but quite often it's not. We picture the monastic life versus the real life of fun with my friends. It's not like that. What God would say to you tonight, pastor's not going to be here, and we're going, not that I was here anyway, but he'd say, follow me. What is that to thee, follow thou me? And a reminder from Jesus Christ tonight, our first call was to follow the one who was wounded on the cross and rose again from the dead. That's our first point of call. That's our anchor. That's our, that's our stabiliser. That's the firm rock. That's the, thing for, that's the hub in the centre of the spoke. That's the thing from which everything else works and operates. Nothing's happening without that. God will just remind us all again tonight, I need it. I was preaching to myself tonight, Rob, follow me. I think that's the one thing the devil doesn't want us to hear tonight, that we would re-surrender ourselves and say, Lord, I'm not surrendering for service. I'm just recommitting, hey, I'm still following you. Just help me stay on the track. Thank you, Pastor.